0: We are exploring the Sifra of Shlach, volume 23,
1: about the stories of the Meraglim, of the spies. And the Rebbe asks three questions, essentially. The Rebbe says, number one is, the sending of the spies was not commanded by Hashem to Moses, thou shalt do this. It's presented as a command, but it's presented as a command that's quali- qualified. Do it if you want to. Shlach lecha an Hashem. Send to you the spies. And Rashi says, according to your opinion. I'm not commanding you to do this. It's almost like God made a suggestion. If you want to do it, do it. It's up to you. And this is a very strange thing. Since when does Hashem make suggestions? And since when does Moshe have his own opinions? Plus, if Moshe has an opinion, obviously it's because that's the will of Hashem. Moshe is a faithful servant. He doesn't have agendas. So why is this done in such a strange way? I'm commanding you to do it if
0: your opinion agrees with it. If it's not a good idea, so why would I let you do it? Plus, if it's not a good idea, Moshe would never
1: have that opinion. If Moshe has that opinion, clearly it's a good idea from the perspective of Hashem. So why doesn't Hashem just command them to do it? Question one. Question two is, how is it that these spies such righteous people, that Moshe handpicked, the Torah testifies, Anashim, men of stature, Roshay Ben Yisrael, the leaders of the people, and Rashi says at that time they were all kosher, they were all... They were selected as high-level Jews. But they all failed miserably in 40 days, and they lost their faith. The whole generation was witnessing miracles. And obviously, they had tremendous faith, let alone the leaders. They lost their faith in 40 days, and they came back and rebelled against Hashem's plan. It doesn't make sense. It's not like one of them or two of them fell off the wagon. The entire group, except for Yeshua and Khalid, Parenthetically, those two, because they did a protective measure. Yeshua, because Moshe changed his name and prayed for him, that God should protect him in Kali, because he went to Hebron and prayed at the Yoel. He went to the Yoel of the patriarchs, the matriarchs. And that's why he was spared. But by and large, the whole group failed. A whole group of righteous people should go from the top level of holiness and faith to the lowest level of total rebellion against Hashem's plan. Just in 40 days, it just doesn't make any sense. And the third question is, why was such an emphasis to bring back the fruits of the land? which were giant and oversized, and they would definitely call attention to them, and people were sort of suspecting that they're spies.
0: Like, why is that important? And it can, it, it can abort the entire mission. Come back and give a report. You have to bring the fruits. And it's a big
1: deal. And the Torah has emphasized over and over that this was a command, be strong, meaning don't be afraid, and bring back the fruits. And then it says they brought back, and they came up with a big cluster of grapes
0: carried by a whole bunch of people, et cetera, et cetera. it's pivotal, it's not just a side note like why is that important? so the Rebbe comes along, let me bring up uh, just to keep easy
1: way of remembering to put all the questions on the screen, as per my custom so here are the questions why did Hashem command why didn't Hashem command it but suggested Moshe do it by his own opinion number two, how could righteous people fail so miserably number three, why bring
0: home the fruits from Israel at risk of being discovered, etc. And the Rebbe answers, the mission was all about
1: going from faith to logic. They all had faith. They said, Nasav and Ishma at
0: Sinai. the purpose of this mission was for them to explore it logically. That's the purpose of this mission. It wasn't about going with faith, whatever Hashem says is true. No, the purpose of this
1: mission was to scout it. I want you, I know till now I told you just to accept everything I say. Now I want you to explore it intellectually and scout it out with your
0: own minds and tell us the conclusion.
1: So that answers all the questions. Let's go from the bottom up. Question three. They're supposed to bring home the fruits because they're supposed to win over the Jewish people. The Jewish people should be convinced with their own eyes and with their own minds that this is the truth. Not just because Hashem told Moshe, trust me, I'm going to do it. Beyond trust, it should make sense. They should be convinced. So you got to show us the oversized fruits. Of course, they used it and they turned it on its head and showed what a strange place it is. And the people are also oversized and there's no way for us to conquer it, which is all true. But the mission from Hashem's perspective was show them the fruits, show them, convince them. We, sh- we shouldn't just be doing it because Hashem said so. We now should be convinced intellectually. Question three, how could they fail so miserably? Again, because now suddenly for the first time they're being told to use their brains and to come to logical conclusions. So from their perspective, they were fulfilling exactly what they were told.
0: They were told to go and come up and use their minds and report their conclusions. That's what they did. That's how it's possible for people with total faith to fall so miserably. Because suddenly, in their perspective, they're now not using faith, they're using logic. And logic dictated a different conclusion. This explains the beautiful nuance in question one. Hashem says to Moshe, I want to suggest this mission.
1: According to the narrative in Deuteronomy, it came from the Jews and their emotions brought it up to God and God sort of acquiesced. But the way it's written in our portion, it was a command, but it was a suggestion. I want to suggest this, if you like the idea, if if it suits your opinion. Because remember, the whole purpose of this mission is to take the Jews from just being subjects of God to being students of God, from just serving Hashem with faith to now being convinced logically. And therefore, Hashem says to Moshe, if I command you this, that's contrary to the whole mission. This mission isn't about being commanded. This mission is about integrating logically, and therefore Hashem says to Moshe, Shlach mecha. this is a brilliant interpretation of the Rabbi. Rebbe, I want your opinion on this as the leader of the Jews, and if it makes sense to you to do this, then do
0: it, because the purpose of this mission is for things to start making sense, for Hashem to start sitting well in the human mind, in the Jewish mind. So he answered all the questions. But then if so, what was their sin? They were meant to go logically. They went logically. They came to the conclusion that you can't conquer it. So what was the sin to begin with? Answers the Rebbe. The sin
1: was because they they came to the conclusion, if we can conquer the land, they were never asked that question. The mission was to find out how, not if.
0: They were given the conclusion
1: before they started that they could conquer the land. The 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 mission is only to find out how. And they made that one, oops, you could see how they did it. And obviously the Yetzirah got involved, but you could see how they did it. Because they were told to use their minds, they said, ah, it must be we're trying to decide if we can do this. But that never was told to them. They were told, Hashem said you can do it. I want you to
0: use your mind and tell us how to do it. And that's why it was a sin and it was a terrible sin. It's almost like, you know, sometimes a, a, a teacher, a good teacher at school will give you a problem to solve.
1: Let's say a math problem. I'll give you five minutes to solve this math problem. Sometimes a good teacher will, will give you the conclusion of the equation. And your job is not to uh, solve it. Your job is to connect the dots from A to B. How did the teacher come to that conclusion? Tell me the mathematical equation. That brought teacher to this conclusion. But the conclusion is, 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 is given ahead of time. You ever have this at school? The teacher gives you the answer to the math problem and tells you, tell me how to get there. If you open up the Jewish press every week. It gives you a, a chess problem. It tells you what's going to happen. The whites are going to win the blacks in three moves. So it told you the conclusion. Your job is to figure out how to get there. And it's no less a mental exercise and a fascinating one at, 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 at the same time. Even though you know the conclusion, but you're told to find that conclusion. Hashem tells Moshe, and Moshe tells the Jewish people, the conclusion is a given. Hashem's going to conquer the lion.
0: We're not leaving faith at the door, that's for sure. But Hashem wants you to use your mind to figure out how to get there. And uh, and 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 that and that and the mind plays an important role, but not because the mind will decide
1: the conclusion. The mind will decide how we got to that conclusion. Now you could say, what's the point of that? If you already told me the conclusion, why do you need me to tell you how to get there? You're telling me that this is the conclusion. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna go conquer the land and it's gonna
0: be happily ever after. This is the mission. So I have to tell you how to do it. You're God. You'll do it anyway. answer is because Hashem wants now to bring faith into logic that's really what's going on here the purpose of this mission the purpose of Shlach from Moses' perspective this was a step up but it failed miserably but until now the
1: Jews just sat back and took everything in faith Hashem gave him the Torah and Ishma. we're taking the miracles we accept it, great Now Moshe wants to prove that Hashem is so true that even the mind agrees with it. If something is really true, the mind will agree with it too. Because remember, the whole purpose is showing that Hashem is in the world, the whole world agrees with Hashem. And that's really what the conquest of the land is, that the natural existence is in line with Hashem. The Rebbe explains elsewhere that at Sinai there wasn't wasn't a, a, a reverberation of Hashem's voice Uh, There was no echo. And the Rebbe says, why would Hashem make that miracle? Because an echo means that it is a pushback. There was no echo means nature accepts Hashem's message. It's Hashem's message. It's beyond logic. It's infinity. It's true. But because it's infinity, the world agrees with it. Because the world is really also created by Hashem. And it's really just an extension of Hashem. And therefore, there's no echo. Every part of creation, of the mind, the heart, the practical, all of it works. You live a life of Torah. It'll work practically, it'll work for your family, it'll work in your business, it'll work for society.
0: And the first step of that, it will work intellectually. And that's what Moshe is trying to do here. He's the teacher of Torah. Torah is the
1: mind. The essence is faith. He's the servant of Hashem. True. But his goal is to take that faith into logic. He's the teacher of Torah, and he says to the Jews, You see how true Hashem is? I know you all accept him on faith, but he's the real truth. If it's really true, it can apply in the realm of logic too. Go to the land, use your minds, but not by dropping, leaving faith at the door, God forbid. Explore logically how, not if Hashem's conclusion works, and you will see that it makes perfect sense on
0: the military level, on the practical level, intellectual level, because truth is applicable everywhere. That was the purpose of the mission. You know, I remember vaguely that in kindergarten they taught us the math problems. So they would take the two apples and the two
1: apples to show you that two plus two is four. And you're very impressed. And you're a little kid. I don't know if this is kindergarten, the first grade, whatever it is. And then they turn around and they pull out the pairs and now you're not sure. And when they show you that the two pears and the two pears also equals four pairs, aha, now you know this is a chokom. This is a brilliant concept. It's applicable to apples, it's applicable to pears. And mora, is it also applicable to oranges? Yes! <laughs> it's a very basic analogy. But the concept that something is really true, it's a principle. It's a truism. It's applicable everywhere. And that's what Moshe is trying to teach the Jews. Hashem is absolute truth. He's not based on logic. It's not based on anything. He's based on Hashem. And in order to connect to it, the first principle is NASA. We accept suspension of logic, suspension of any considerations. But then Moses says to the Jewish people, "Hashem is going to permeate the whole world. The whole world fits with Hashem, starting with the mind. I want you. I want to show you that we cannot just be Hashem's faithful subjects and say yes to whatever He says, but that we can. That our minds will agree with it." Logic agrees with faith. Logic agrees with truth, because it's true. So why would logic deny it? Is logic not an extension of truth? Everything is an extension of truth. And that was the purpose, that was the goal. Hashem said to Moshe, I think it's time to bring the Jews to the level where their faith integrates, where they're not just my subjects, but also my students. And Moshe loves it because Zichru Torah's Moshe Abdi. it's the Torah of Moshe. That's why Moshe questions Hashem earlier in the portion of the era. The Rebbe explains when, when, when things don't work out, Moshe questions Hashem, and Hashem laments that you don't have the faith in the patriarchs. And the Rebbe explains it, not that he didn't have the faith, of course he had the faith. But the mission of the patriarchs was just faith. The mission of Moshe was to integrate the faith in logic, which is what Torah is about. As a precursor to bringing heaven to earth, to conquering the land, and by extension, finding Hashem in the entire world, entire universe, including and especially in the world of logic. So Moshe loves it,
0: not to the exclusion of faith. And the contrary, it's a greater faith. He's so true, sure, of it that he knows that logic will come to that conclusion.
1: That's what this was about. Not put your faith aside and decide what well, you think. That's stupidity.
0: Why would you ignore truth, which you're getting directly from Hashem? But what's the purpose of the logical exercise to
1: expand the truth or to integrate the truth that it even will integrate into a logic? In the language of the sikh, at the bottom of the screen, their mission was to find out how, not if. The minute they changed it, then they looked to see if. You can see how they made that mistake. If you tell me to think, I'm going to think. I'm going to forget what my soul, and the neshama says, what my faith says. No, I told you to think, to figure out how to accomplish what your faith knows to be true. And this answers all the questions. I have a personal example that I'd like to share. That 32 years ago, when we started this Chabad, we rented a small apartment in Port Washington. Two-bedroom apartment. We, We moved into town. We had one baby already, second one on the way. And then I had a vision. I want to open up a Chabad house to attract more people. Maybe we should rent a small building and start, which subsequently we did. We were in a small location for for seven, eight years, and then we moved into this building. So I said, let me me get the people behind it. So I I selected three people, just like Mm -hmm. Moses. My middle name is Moshe. I, I selected three people from the shul that I felt were leaders and they're smart and they're visionaries and they're successful. And I sat them down, I'll never forget this meeting, at my dining room table, one Sunday morning after the when everyone else left, I asked them to stay. And I said, you are the board of directors of Chabad of Port Washington. And I, I put forth my vision. We're gonna rent a space and we're gonna offer programs and eventually we'll be able to buy a building and, and, and
0: really become a force in this community. So your job is to help me do it. You're business people, you're successful. Help me figure this out. How do we get this done? I finished talking.
1: Five minutes later, they look at me and they say, Rabbi, we discussed it and we decided it's not a good idea. It can't be done. And we think it's a mistake. And um, Instead, every Shabbos, another one of us will host a minion in our living room. And there's no need for any of this stuff. So I realized right away what's happening. And I said, you know what? This board of directors that I just created 20 minutes ago, it's hereby dissolved. Have a nice day. You're off. You're off duty. You don't have to worry about it. I didn't ask you if, I asked you how.
0: And that's a perfect example of what the Rebbe says, what the spies did wrong. The Rebbe takes a lesson from
1: this, but in in the second half of the Sikha, but here it digs a little deeper with another important nuance. The Rebbe says, obviously, what is the lesson of Judaism? Nasab and Ishma. We're supposed to accept the truths without any questions. And then we're supposed to study. And that's both our mitzvahs. When we got the Torah, the angels gave us two crowns. Not just one because we had faith, but another one because we had logic, because that's part of the mission. As we said earlier, Hashem wants the faith and he wants the logic. But the faith is still present when we have the logic.
0: And that's how a person should study Torah with an understanding that this is an absolute truth. And now I can think. And if you think about when you study Torah, you study Halacha, you study Talmud, you study
1: Hasidus, you're not going to understand it unless you have a foundation that this is all absolute truths, and now you can explore it. So it's an interesting system. God calls the Jewish people a people of faith. Ma'amine ben believers, children of believers. But we're also called in Torah, am Chacham a brilliant people. And God gives us his book, which is the most brilliant of brilliance. And he says, ah, you're so smart. Study. Ask anyone on the street if these two things go hand in hand. Either Hashem is telling me to think freely, or he's telling me what my conclusions are. Which one is it? Imagine
0: I, I set up a think tank, and I tell the people that they should think, but here are the principles that they should think. And based on this, they should think that's a logic. Nine out of ten people will tell you that's not really logic. And yet we are called the people of the book. I'm Chacham abin. This is
1: brilliance. So the Rebbe, not only is this also brilliance, but this is really the only smarts. The Rebbe presents here a very powerful thing. That if I use the mind without the, the foundation of faith, I can come up to stupid conclusions. I will not really be logical. Only when I have a foundation of faith. Certain truths that Hashem tells me through Moses and Torah. In the language of the
0: Sikha, I'm Shlach, I'm a Shliach. Now I have certain axioms. It's, now I can come to the truth, to the logical truth. This seems so counterintuitive. If I put aside any faith and I think logically, I'm not being logical? It says the Rebbe, no, I'll tell you
1: why. Because what is the definition of logic, of intelligence? to
0: search for truth without any bias. It's impossible for a human being not to have bias. Let's say for argument's sake, the mind isn't biased,
1: but the mind is connected to a body and to a person who has all kinds of experiences. And therefore, by definition, it's impossible to really be logical without bias. Take the Supreme Court of the United States, let's argue it's the greatest minds in the nation. So why are they split in two directions? Because a mind by definition is biased based on experience based on personality traits, based on different things that he or she experienced.
0: And therefore, there's no such thing as real logic from a human perspective. You think you're being objective, but it's you who's being objective. There's bias. just like bribery.
1: You can be a brilliant person. Torah says if someone gives you a bribe, it will now corrupt your thinking. It doesn't mean that you're going to go counter to your thinking. No. Contrary to think you're smart and you're righteous. But it will convince you of, of a different truth. That's what bribery does. Similarly, we have inherent bribery because we're human beings with experiences and with our childhood and with our young adulthood and with with our natural emotional tendencies. It's not just a computer,
0: it's not just pure logic. And therefore, really, there's no such thing as objectivity. It says that this is brilliant, and this is. So, Rebbe, that what, only when is there a possibility
1: for real logic, real seichel, real chabad, when it's based on faith.
0: Based on shlach of, Hashem of Moshe Rabbeinu. Based on an attitude that what is life? There's truth that are
1: beyond me. It's not about me. It's about the truth. And my purpose in life is to live that truth. I've set myself aside. people. It's not about me. It's about the truth. It's about promoting the truth, finding the truth, teaching the truth. I'm a shliach. That's what the portion is named. When a person has faith, naseh and his life or her life is dedicated just to finding truth. And truth is is, is given to us on a silver platter, which is Hashem and Torah. Before, no questions asked. Now there's no bias. If I'm if I have bitul, if I understand, it, it's not about me. It's about my mission. I have no bias. Bias comes from a focus about me. But if my, my life is predicated that I'm a servant of Hashem, or a servant of Moshe,
0: so there isn't really a bias. I don't care what to think. Whatever I need to think, whatever Moshe tells me, now my mind is free to think objectively, like, like a computer chip, completely objective. Because it's logic that's based on truth, it's logic that's based on a dedication to truth, and therefore, it's logic that's able to be unbiased. I heard the story of these great professors from Israel, brilliant,
1: brilliant people who walked out of Yechidus with the Rebbe, and they said they're blown away. That on the one hand, the man is brilliant; he knows everything, he's current on all the medical breakthroughs, and you can quote any Shakespeare play. He can finish a sentence. Brilliance. Knows 20 long languages. And then when it comes to talk about faith, it's like a child. It's as pure, the faith is like a child. They were saying it derogatorily. But the chassidim, this is, you got it. You hit the nail on the head. It's brilliance because it's based on a faith. It's like a child.
0: It's it, There's no bias. There's no, I have no leanings. Because it's not about me. It's about my mission. And my mission is about truth. And now I'm going to use my mind to discover it, to explore it. It's
1: going to be pure Seichel. It's going to be. And therefore, the same Torah says you're a people of faith, and you are really, truly a brilliant people.
0: Because really, the two not only are not in conflict, the real brilliance is only when it's predicated on faith. A very special explanation at the end of the Seichel. I I, I had experiences in my years in my shlichas, just to give an example of this, where I saw people who were so smart that they were going
1: to destroy their lives because of their smarts. We all know such people. I had a fellow who came to my office years ago, and he wanted to take his own life. Not because he
0: was ill emotionally. He wasn't. But because he decided it's time to go. Brilliant man. I didn't take his IQ test, but, you
1: know, he... He had multiple uh, degrees from Ivy League schools and postgraduate schools and clearly a very, very smart man and he had an inventor of different things.
0: This is an example where the mind is going Meshuggah, where the mind is coming to all the wrong conclusions. Why? Because it's totally biased. He doesn't understand
1: that there are certain truths that are not up to you to decide. You don't decide the gift of life.
0: You don't decide the real truths. If you decide, then you're biased. Those truths are given. Your life is a gift. Your
1: mind isn't your God. Your mind isn't your soul. Your mind is a tool. And it's an important tool. Let's call it it's your chief of staff. But you set the agenda. The chief of staff only, only figures out how to get there. It's like the Sikh is saying, don't tell me if, tell me how.
0: But if the mind becomes the king of the palace, of the human palace, that's idolatry. And it also becomes corrupt. You come with such a terrible conclusion
1: because of the mind. Somebody else came to me years ago and unfortunately followed through on his plan. He wants to divorce his wife. And I knew the couple. They had a beautiful relationship. They both said it and they had two kids. It was a very nice story, but the same deal. The guy was an intellectual, he was brilliant. And he he decided that intellect is God. And based on that, he's going to self-destruct. And he ended up doing it. And both him and his wife and the kids never broke a smile again. You know, I haven't been in touch for decades. But they never broke a smile again because he decided logically that that marriage doesn't make sense.
0: (laughs) That means your mind is your king. There's a God. And within the micro, you have a soul, your willpower, your sense
1: of self, your sense of kind of pleasure, your sense of faith is really another word of saying all of the above, the kesa, the crown, the halo above the mind. That's the person. And in the context of the Sicha, the Moshe Rabbeinu, the rabbi of the generation, which is really giving over the message of Hashem. Those truths are axioms. Don't decide if life is worth living, if marriage is valuable. We don't call your wife your mind mate. We call your wife your soul mate. There's a soul, there's truths. Now your mind is a tool. And your mind is a fantastic tool; it's brilliant, but when it's when it thinks, when it gets too much control, and it thinks that it's the king, and it doesn't realize how biased it is based on the person's emotion and experiences and mishigasim and corruptions, it self destroy you are talking today about worry about AI. If AI, artificial intelligence, becomes too strong; it can destroy the world. What about human intelligence? When we worship human intelligence before AI. UI is destroying the world. Because we see today the most brilliant professors are coming up to the worst conclusions about life, about marriage, about equality, about all the nonsense that's going on in
0: our world today. The mind can be our worst enemy. Especially those who think that they're thinking totally freely without any objectivity,
1: without any basis of faith and any truths. It says that ever, this is the most subjective thinking. Based on ego, it's based on all kind of biases. There needs to be Torah, faith, truths. And now the mind is dedicated, the person is dedicated with Bittol. We're iterating the final point of the Sichu.
0: To truth, they have now put aside their own personal interests. And now their mind really works. And that's the foundation
1: of Torah study. And that's why we say a blessing before we study Torah. Before we approach a a piece of Gemara or Mishnah or Rambam or Halacha or a Maimer or a Sikh.
0: We say a Hashem gave us his Torah. This is Torah Hashem. This is absolute truth. Now explore it. The Rebbe finishes the sikha by saying that with this approach, we will very speedily have Mashiach
1: and the conquest of the land. And the Rebbe throws in a small paragraph right before the end that will even witness the expansion of the land as the Torah says in Devarim that Yarechem Hashem is kabulcha, the time will come Hashem will expand your borders. I want to suggest why this is in the Sikh? We know that when Hashem told Avram that we're going to conquer the land, he said seven plus three nations. Only seven were conquered, the three more still to come,
0: Caini, Kinesi, and Kadmoni, in addition to the seven Kani nations. So this is the promise of the full conquest.
1: Why is it ever putting it in here? If it ever wants to finish with a bracha of Mashiach, I understand. Everyone wants to say that, the, that we will conquer the land. That's the context of the story of the spies. I get it. But why does he decide here to throw in this expansion? I'm suggesting that this is hinting to the concept of what the expansion represents. Sidious explains that the seven nations represent the seven emotions, and the three additional represent the seven intellect, which is the theme of the sikh. That we are, by conquering the seven nations, the the personal lavoidah of every year, we all have our land. The Hebrew word land means eretz, our willpower. We're trying to conquer that land, to win it over to the godly soul rather than to the eight God forbid. And how do we conquer that land? First, we conquer it by the seven nations, the seven emotions, because all seven can be for good or for bad, right? As what explains in detail. It can be love or it can be lust. It can be awe of Hashem or it can be fear, etc. Every one of the seven can belong to the Canaanites, the evil within us, or to the holy within us. Then... Ultimately, there will be the conquest of Chabad. And that's why Chabad perhaps comes at the end of time with the, with the advent of Hasidus Chabad. And even the mind will embrace Elokos, that which is beyond the mind. And in a sense, it's the hardest conquest, and that's why it's last. The Alter Rebbe said that it's the greatest miracle. Famous story, the of of Rebbe, when he saw the Tanya, he took such a big God, put him into a small book. In other words, you're taking God, which is beyond mind, and putting it into mind to a small book, into a into a limited play, space.
0: The belief is that the heart is much more a vessel for faith than the mind. And there's truth to that. The heart can be a big problem
1: for Hashem, but the heart, in a sense, because it doesn't have a logical opinion, often it reflects the space of faith. Faith is the Kessa, right? The halo above the mind. But it's... Where is it reflected in the day-to-day experience? In the heart, because the heart doesn't have an opinion. It's innocent, it's like a child. And if you have it in the right space, and your right control, it can be very much a reflection of our soul, of our faith. True. We call it a Yiddish heart, it's a Jewish heart. The greater accomplishment is that when the mind will understand this, and rather than the mind giving opinions that are contrary to truth, the mind lays itself down and understands not seven ishma, the truth is a given. Now let me understand it in the mind. Take the big there, the big truths and integrate it into a mind. And that's the expansion of the land to this all ten. Within each of us, it means also our own conquest of our Chabad and within the world, the conquest of Chabad. This is a fundamental sikha to my thinking of how a yid studies Torah and how yid approaches Hasidus, Chabad. But the whole thing is really true
0: intelligence but because and only because it's based on axioms of tolerance.